Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And for this week's episode and this Friday night, after me and uh, old Bobby here have just come straight from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yep, we had a little Nando's before, didn't we? Mm, <laughs> a power cut cheeky Nando's the, before. In the classic spoons. Um, so spoons yeah. was closed. So that's a, closed. If you know the UK, that's an unusual thing for a spoons to ever be for a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I literally said to you, "What <laughs> hell is this?" Yeah, what is going on? It truly is the end of days. The apocalypse. The apocalypse is upon us, as we uh, and it is upon the, the new generation of Ghostbusters. Um, so yeah, we we literally just got back from the cinema, didn't we? We did. Um, and... We purposely tried to avoid just we were uh, we were skating around, like a conversation about yeah. it, trying to save the nuggets of information for you guys. Um, now, to be clear, uh, for anyone a bit screamish about listening to this, if they haven't seen it yet, our first I don't know ten minutes, we'll make it clear. Maybe yep. more. We'll, we'll make, make it, it clear, clear when it's time for us to move on. So we're going to give you a little bit of a a taster of what we think. Some little parts, but we're not going to go into any major... Nothing that wouldn't have been in, say, a trailer or a basic idea of what the film is anyway. Uh, and then after that, we will dig a little bit deeper into some more kind of scenes that happen later on. But we will do a little countdown to give you time to escape if you want to listen, but you don't want to be spoiled. So we'll get to that spoiler zone. Yeah, so um, if, you, if you listen to our previous episode, which covers Ghostbusters... Um, you'll know that I actually only ever have seen the first one. Um, so from my understanding, this is a direct sequel to the first film. I don't know if it bothers about the second film. It, it doesn't, the, the, the film itself uh, doesn't really bother. I, I don't think it necessarily says it didn't happen, but it does have a part where it talks about timelines and the timeline kind of makes it that the first one's the only relevant one anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't really seem the second one, even if it if it did happen to them, it's not really a relevant part of this story. So they just kind of gloss over it and decide now that didn't really <laughs> yeah. matter. So I don't, you know, I don't think you necessarily have to have watched the first one to um, no. the second one to, to kind of know what's going on. I mean, I, I would even go as far to say that although you might not enjoy it as much, I'd also say you don't even have to have seen the first one to enjoy this film in a certain way, I don't think. No, probably it, not. It, it is, it, like, as if you've heard anything about the film so far, it, it is a big old nostalgia trip. There is a lot of throwback to that first film in there. Um, and it is, you know, in that way. But I'd say at the same time, they've actually managed to create a quite, the, the characters in this film that are the main characters, we're not talking about the original characters, we're talking about the new characters. For the most part, they have made a bunch of characters that are actually very enjoyable to spend time with and therefore kind of create their own kind of like enjoyable... I'm just like, even if we never had, and it, it, it's not a spoiler because it is all over that the original cast members are in this film, and we'll talk about that later, where the original yeah. cast members come in, how how they come into it, that's spoiler zone. But those original cast members are there, but I do believe that this film could have totally still worked if even if they weren't there. Yeah, even if it was only in referencing or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think, as with all kind of films... The one thing that struck me as being different from this kind of uh, from between Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I will just refer to as Afterlife, Afterlife. and uh, the original <laughs> Ghostbusters, um, is that Afterlife shifts the focus away from being this kind of slightly offbeat kind of uh, 
comedy film and uh, with slight adult humor in there it does to, yeah to, to being a lot more family friendly um it spielberg does, yeah it, it feels, feels like a spielberg, spielberg film. film it does feel a bit more like a spielberg film but with it, it w- i would say at the same time there is a humor to this still that is not quite what is not a spielberg kind of humor it is still they are trying for something a bit more adult in the style of humor i think a little like, bit because I mean, like the the jokes that the way they inappropriately like they have inappropriate jokes around like the kids and they have inappropriate jokes and the mum is just a constant like the things she says are just constantly yeah. like just like okay <laughs> and some of the some of the jokes in the moments were pretty hit and miss, uh, but that that's the kind of nature with all kind of yeah. things like this. I mean, um, for the most we wouldn't part, know that in our screening because we had two people sat across from us who literally thought any joke was like the, the woman at least seemed to think it was the funniest figure. Any, I mean, any kind of little joke, and she was literally like I, cackling loudly. I don't got I kind of like that. Too. No, I, I like the enjoy it. It's nice to like that one. Like it's nice to be like in the cinema environment and be like. Ah, people are actually enjoying the film. There's nothing worse than being in a comedy film and you're the you suddenly feel like you don't want to laugh because no Nobody one's laughing, else but you actually find it funny and you're and like, I, why is no one fucking laughing? This is funny. <laughs> and I think because that last was laughing, I think a few more people felt did. a bit more comfortable. And, so and, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't like bothered by it at all, but yeah, I was more bothered about the people that constantly decide to go up and down the stairs like every few yeah. minutes. Um, and <laughs> interestingly enough, um, this is just a little kind of side story. Um, <laughs> so there is a, as we get with kind of films after the whole Marvel, you know, flood of them, there is a post, there is a mid credit and a post credit scene. Yes. Um, and we stayed for both of them. Most people stayed for the first one and then left. Um, I thought they would have switched once you've watched i thought they would have switched the credit scenes around it made more kind of sense i think yeah um, one of them felt more hu- more kind of humorous one of them felt more world building didn't yeah it? like that kind of yeah thing. definitely um but the the woman who was laughing loads actually said to her i'm assuming husband uh, i don't know if you heard this but she said she actually really enjoyed it which we obviously knew from the yeah. laughing <laughs> but she said that they went into it not expecting it to be good at all uh, no, and I do kind of get it. But I think I think yeah, I heard her say that because about the trailers. Um, so it was quite nice to hear like a comment, like a feedback almost that we heard from people in the audience, and that was um, interesting because I will say that yeah, in a way, the trailers for this film sold it as very kind of that kind of Stranger Things esque. Yeah, that's the. It felt that kind of like this is the kids taking over. This is a kids led film, and I'm not saying it's not the kids film. It it is. Um, although at times I would feel like uh, weirdly, like they are the kind of kids that feel like they're almost not kids. The way they act is almost like you've yeah. put children, but you've kind of treated them like they're little adults, kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. Um, which which is fine, and it it, wor- it works perfectly. In fact, they don't completely go beyond the lines of like you're a child, apart from maybe the main character, McKenna Grace's, who does seem extremely smart for her age. But that's why you know she is a Egon. Again, that's in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. So, I mean, for, they they try and have a sim. They don't try and exactly replicate the the formula of the Ghostbusters, do they? In, no. In terms of having somebody who is this, somebody who is this, but you very much McKenna Grace's character is very much um, is the modern day Egon. Yeah. And the one thing I did really like about the film was um, 
a lot of the new fresh characters that we got were good. Um, I think McKenna Grace did a lot of the heavy lifting of the film. Oh, she did for uh, such a young girl. For such a young girl. Like, and uh, I got like for uh, like on the case of Egon, she felt like Egon, but she didn't feel like she was just doing an Egon impression. She no, felt she like didn't. It, she felt naturally like I could actually believe that you are a descendant. More maybe because of I don't know. It's always kind of people say he may have had like Asperger's or something like because he didn't really show a huge amount of emotion. He kind of kind yeah. of old kind of. There's a little bit of that kind of in her performance. Well, they but it's, yeah, they kind of. I don't know if it's the right word, but they they code him out, uh, as almost you know being on the spectrum without yeah. saying it. And she kind of does have a lot of the mannerisms of ego and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a nice kind of and even with her like a character that could seem quite cold and yet she is really quite endearing. Yeah. Like you really are quite drawn to her. Like she kind of, especially as she starts to get more comfortable in the film, you almost go on a trip of her being quite like a little bit more, a little bit more uptight. And then she really loosens up kind of thing. And then she gets more happy and free. And there's like a running joke in the film, which is literally a running joke. Yeah. That she continues to tell jokes, which is a nice, it's actually, I quite enjoyed it maybe the last one or two started to get stale, but I think that was on purpose that they're starting to get like strained, but it's yeah. still like a nice, like she as a character is one where out of all of the characters in the film, I was like, you know what, if it were to continue in some way, I'd be happy to follow wherever this character's going. Cause yeah. I really enjoy this character and her little sidekick. Um, uh, podcast. podcast. He was Pod- good. This he was, was his, um, I, I don't know what the actor's name is, um, but he, this was his first ever film. Oh, wow. so this is his first ever like acting role, apparently. Oh, shit. And the kid like knocks it out of the park. I can't be yeah, honest. He I mean, he properly reminds me of like a, you know, you know the kind of um, what is it, Corey Feldman, like eighties. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of he totally gave me that kind of vibe. Like he felt like an eighties kid that they yeah. brought into the modern day kind of thing. Yeah, he kind of had that little vibe about him, didn't he? Um, I can't remember what Logan Kim. Um, yeah. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. No, that's um, <laughs> which I'm sure he, he will. will soon. He will soon. Um, um, another thing that I, I really liked about it is the move away um, from the uh, from New York, which obviously is a lot of a lot of films during the 80s, and particularly comedies, seem to take place in New York. Yeah, um, but I felt that kind of telling a bit more of an intimate story, which is about family and, and which is about the you know rediscovering self and stuff like that it suited moving away from new york and moving to a small rural kind of isolated area yeah i think it kind of it worked i think new it, it, was, it was nice to change it up and not feel like because there is a lot about this film that does feel like we are slightly retreading some ground that we yeah. covered in in the original ghostbusters but what makes it feel nice, like different, is the fact that we've kind of we've changed the setting and we've changed the dynamic of how this works. It's not a bunch of people getting together and there's, there's no actual, oh, we're actually leading to hunt ghosts or we're even interested in ghosts. There's none of that with these characters. It is all about family and legacy that yeah. kind of leads this film. And it does, it does have a night nice, that does lead to a kind of a nice kind of intimate and even emotional kind of ending kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kind of, I felt that it moved, it moved through its acts at quite a, quite a slow pace until I think it hit the, probably the third act. To yeah. Me. It's the then, third it, act. then for me, the that's third what... act is like 
piling on very yeah. quickly. A lot of things, a lot of things happen like really fast. And that was the, the kind of stumbling point for me was like, we get the third act, which felt largely like a rehash um, yeah. and f- just felt very quick. And though there, there, there were things that happened, um, it, it it's it just seemed kind of you know i don't say anticlimactic because it was a good ending but it just it seemed like it was very it was just very rushed you know yeah um there there was a bit of a rush even the very literally the very end of the film which i was not going to mention but the very end of the film is very much like here we are and you're almost expecting extra scenes with certain characters and then no it was like pan up to the sky and the, that done. was it. I was like, okay, I was not expecting that to be the end. You know, there was mention of Coco in a house. I was expecting to see a scene inside, like a little bit of a little bit of a wind down, maybe yeah. or something. But there's no real wind down. It is just like and so that's all, folks. Ends. Yeah, like you know. um, so. Yeah, no, I do, I do get that, and I do think that this film is one where it is a little bit of we get a little bit of a two films in one here. It is literally like. It's it's almost uh is almost uh, in my head I'm suddenly thinking Rob Zombie's Halloween. Okay. First two, <laughs> for, only because of the first two parts are almost a completely different film. Yeah. I and see then that. suddenly we're almost revisiting the original, but in speed. Yeah, I see. <laughs> like that. on fast forward, like that's kind of what Rob Zombie's Halloween is. Like we yeah. get this really kind of good, like interesting kind of first part, and then we kind of get a a kind of quick budget version of the yeah. original version. And you I know. can see that. And we get that. And there are a lot of, um, even I'd say the one that kind of suffers the most, especially in this, even though he's not in it as much as I really liked Paul Rudd's character until he became Lewis, like Lewis Tully. Again. Yeah. He basically becomes Rick Moranis is all Which I'm is... saying. Like I don't, and not digging right now at this point anymore into that, but like he basically becomes by the he like in in everything the way he starts to look, to look and style and he does very much like suddenly it's like a little bit of a change there like yeah. I, I still like to arrive to that point but we literally almost get where he is he's not that character and then suddenly and then, he is that character yeah like, I see what you mean you know the way he's used kind of thing yeah um, should we I mean I think so. Anyway, so I guess to wrap up for the, the for the non-spoiler people, so we can kind of move on to where we're at. Yeah. The um in my in my mind, it's a real. It, I still think it is a really enjoyable film. It may have a bit of a rush third act, um, and it is it's for you. It is going to truly fall down to do you like that kind of nostalgia, kind of sentimental kind of thing? If you're not into that kind of film, let's say a Force Awakens, basically, yeah. like a, if you're not into that kind of thing. You're probably not gonna. You're probably not gonna love it. Or and there is a chance with this that we watched. We've watched it now. We enjoyed that nostalgia. You go back and watch it again, and then you do feel, or maybe they did coat it on a little bit. Yeah. You know, and the third act is definitely where we might feel a bit of that to kind of quick summarize, and we'll do a bit more of that later. Should we? Give the little countdown. Give the what we don't know. I was saying the gong before the film. We don't have a gong. We don't have a gong. (laughs) We'll just we'll just do the old countdown. countdown. Count there. Five, four, three, two, last chance, one. Who are you going to call? <laughs> Egon Hangs Dong, <laughs> Ghost Dong. Um, so I, I think the, the opening of the film was really strong, I think. Um, yeah. With the, you know, because it, it kind of quickly sets up the new, uh, the new location moving away from New York to Oklahoma or wherever it is into this small town. 
Um, yeah, I think Somerville. That's Somerville, yeah, and that sets it up really well. Um, and I like that you know we get um, we get Egon, but we don't get that you know we're not going. We don't get like a whole... look at him. It's like a you can see the hairline you can a little see the bit. Hair, you can the see glasses, the side, the, the side. You know, um, so I like I knew it was going to be Egon like straight away. I don't know why I just kind of knew. I could just see the little glances. I was like, yeah, okay, that's okay. That's so my, we're following Egon. Egon. Um, um, and him setting what we think is a trap and it failing, and obviously we get to see kind of what happens to Egon dying. With yeah, a bit of a which is kind of throwback, throwback to how uh, Dana kind of in died. the apartment, in the apartment with not the, died, <laughs> not Dana died, die. got the way she taken. was taken over by <laughs> the keymaster or the yeah. gatekeeper or whichever one, which. I know in our last episode we completely trashed up that keymaster gate master like we completely messed up that kind of thing. All you need to know is they they bust. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have to fuck and then it brings. Um, that's all we know. Yeah, that's it. They kind of do it, which completely makes me rethink the whole Lewis Tully and Dana thing in the first one. That did they? <laughs> yeah, they did. I'm but, assuming they did. They, I mean, that, there's just like in this in this one there was much more of a scene that's like literally, and they even referenced the fact that. Yeah, we yeah <laughs> we were basically made to fuck. Whatever the context. whereas in the original film, there's I don't believe there's so much context there that Lewis got to do the fuck. I think there is. I always thought Rick was, Moranis. I was Sigourney yeah. Weaver making sweet love. I always <laughs> thought they made sweet love in the apartment. I mean, they probably have in real life. I mean, I imagine Rick Moranis is just constantly just plowing. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think the you know the the opening, the first act of the film. Um, is is a lot slower and it does have this kind of element of setting up the legacy and setting up what happened between um you know the the ghostbusters and between afterlife and yeah I, it's it's kind of for me it's kind of a hard thing and i think because they kind of turn Egon into this character. And I, I, you know, you knew that Egon wasn't going to be in it because obviously Harold Ramis is dead, but it, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of how I can say it because it wasn't that I thought it, what they did to Egon's character was bad because I think if you look at him, he is somebody who would potentially do that and would understand it. But I think it was just, a, I don't know. It was kind of a, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. <laughs> I liked it, but I I think it, it tread the line between turning Egon into an asshole. I mean, I know we know that he gets the redemption arc. Yeah. In uh, it, well, way. yeah, I guess it, it does have quite a, like a, as I said, like the emotional, like towards the end that kind of brings his character back. And I guess it's because Egon was one the one that, what, he was the one that recognised it, but he was also the one that was willing to give up his life to save everyone. Yeah. Because he, he knew that this was like a Judgment Day event if it all went wrong. Yeah. So he spent his life kind of doing that, which is obviously context we get later in the film, for, but we do spend a bit of the film thinking. But then we then do get quite a lot of India. I do like the whole, the fact that he's like a ghost around the house. That's that was really cool. Them. I really like that. I liked that as a touch to make it kind of feel like Egon slash Harold Ramis is kind of we still had the presence. I like the yeah. fact the presence was still there. And with the chessboard and, and with his thing, the ghost sensor, whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, going off when he's yeah. there. And I, don't, I really like touches. that. Um, yeah. Finn, Finn Wolfhard's character took a while for me to warm up and kind of settle into. Yeah. Because I think, 
I mean, Finn Finn Wolfhard seems to be in night, you know, in most films these <laughs> days, doesn't he? I mean, but yeah, and then these kind of ones like Stranger Things, and then you've got Richie and it, and like these kind of similar ones, yeah. and it's like almost, and he is like almost a go-to. I do actually, I remember hearing an interview where literally Jason Reitman, um, because um, what I was thinking a second ago, you were mentioning about how this is kind of a slower kind of thing. That yeah. part of the film is completely in Jason Reitman's ballhouse. He's much more of an indie director, kind of, you know, like Juno and stuff like that. Yeah. He's that kind of director. So he's great with character. He's yeah. great with character and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised that the characters are endearing. But with Wolf Finhard, I remember in an interview him saying that literally he wasn't going to, he literally put it on his list that we're not going to cast any like, and I believe this was so that was also taken when they were doing it. Like, we're not going to take any of those stranger kid, stranger thing kids and stuff like that because yeah. they're just everywhere kind of thing. Um, but they ended up being like, oh, actually, he came in and fucking knocked it out of the park for his audition kind of thing. Yeah. Which is interesting because I, I agree with you that Trevor, yeah, Trevor, yes, Trevor. Uh, Trevor is harder to get into and almost. Although he and um, and I can't remember what the girl's name already. Uh, Phoebe, um, you know, she, yeah, Phoebe. She is like a, she's kind of an add-on. She like she kind of becomes a, a like a little bit of a girl, but not quite a full on ghost. But you know, what I mean, yeah. she's kind of an add-on. But her and Trevor's part of the film is almost a little bit like if it wasn't for him being fixing up the car and being the driver. I feel like you could almost just have literally gone like, bye. Yeah, <laughs> like I think cut him out the cut him out of the film completely, and I don't know if anything really would have been hugely affected. No, and if I it think had just been Grace McKenna's because, to be honest, she's the one that was like in comparison, she and I was think, far more interesting. And I think that's the thing is that I you you I thought Finn Wolfhard. I was going to say called him Finn Wolfgang. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. I kind of expected him to be the more central figure. Yeah. Um, but I actually think that uh, flipping it and having him be a bit more of a kind of playing second fiddle to mechanic race, basically. And kind of, I think it allowed him to shine. It allowed him to play a bit more of a, I mean, he's still playing a young kind of kid, don't get me wrong. Yeah. He was a bit, he was a, he was a side character now. Yeah. Unless he was the main, you know, the main character like he is in um, Stranger Things, or less like he's playing the funny guy like he is in, um, yeah. it, you know, he played a slightly kind of different Finn. Yeah, he, he wasn't seen. quite the same. He's not quite. Yeah, he's not quite of the the one to land the punchlines, and he's not yeah. quite. A, he is a bit more of almost the straight man to them. Yeah, he's kind of he's the, the one man. learning, and he's also like basically the one dumb, that's more like yeah. his mum. Yeah, he's a bit more like his mum, and I think. Having McKenna Grace as the central figure, it was kind of cool to me because I was thinking, you know, a lot nowadays, like a lot of this is a kid's film and a lot of kids are going to be watching films. And I think having a central character who was a young girl, it was kind of cool, to be honest, because I think like watching it, like kind of a tomboyish girl, but like in that kind of smart way. But it was it, it was. It was nice, and it, what's also nice is because of the back, like the backlash. Like I know you haven't seen that one, but the backlash to the female Ghostbusters. Yeah. it was nice that they still had the balls to kind of go. Like the one that gets closest to really being another a new Ghostbuster is the girl. Yeah, the- <laughs> and yeah, and it is is nice that it is that kind of extra. Because you know we have four guys who are Ghostbusters and they do it. We don't need we don't need another main one because they knock it out of the park. Although I, I do podcast gets pretty close in some ways. Yeah, I, I like think, I like him as well. And I think bringing you know if it had been just more of the same, I think it would have been would have been hard. Because I'm, I'm not saying that the film 
has the charm of the original Ghostbusters. Um, no, there's, there that, is, as, as we, we mentioned earlier, there's a certain kind of humour that is not yeah. quite the same. But I, I do like that they at least try through Paul Rudd's character, through the mum kind of thing. They've yeah. got a very kind of inappropriate to be talking like that kind of way. And, and, every, every time Paul Rudd came on the came on the screen and he had a scene with the mum, <laughs> I would just turn to you and I would say she wants a bloody good rudding, which if you're not English means she wants a good shagging yeah which means if, if she you're not english does. she wants the pipe um yeah and i o- think old red wanted that busted mix and feel <laughs> yeah and i think i said that to you about seven oh, or eight times i think you heard me sometimes <laughs> yeah. I, I think i did and I, I think the people in front i think people in front of me have heard you as well every time <laughs> um yeah, no, but then at the same time, like as I said, that like, but it's nice that that humor's not completely gone because this so easily could have been the kind of dark, mysterious, kind yeah. of leaning into it without. There was a lot more humor and a lot more funny scenes. I mean, yes, there's a lot of Paul Rudd kind of being Paul Rudd as that kind of thing, but it's Paul Rudd, so I don't give Paul, a shit because yeah, it's Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Class, like, look at him; know. he's like <laughs> he could. He, could, he, he may act in most of the films very similar, but it doesn't matter because it this is so lovable about yeah, Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd's got it. And I'm very glad he ter- he did, he was in this role because he, as I, I said to you before, like if I, there was a Ghostbusters like kind of film, I would he would have been my imaginary someone I would have put if they were trying to remake. Yeah, it. he would have been one of them I would have put because he just seemed perfect for this universe. I don't know why. What well, he just he- did to me or. And he does kind of, he is kind of perfect. Like I said before about the Rick Moranis thing, he kind of is kind of perfect. He works at the same as time that. Paul, the Moranis. I think, you know, he reminds me of, he's he's similar to like Ryan Reynolds. Um, and I want, I watched Red Notice recently um, and I enjoyed it. It's been getting slated, but for what it is, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and they're both, you know, they both kind of do the same shtick, kind of regardless of what film there are yeah but with ryan reynolds sometimes it's like a bit too much yeah and it's like all right can you stop like for like five minutes yeah um but paul rudd he he seems to be able to know when to be a bit more serious and know when to do that and then oh yeah he he is definitely he's totally capable of doing more like serious affairs but he has done some of that as well to me he literally to me paul rudd is literally like our I'm not saying they're that different. Like they are, there's a good amount of age between them, but he's like the closest to a modern like Tom Hanks, basically. Yeah, a younger Tom Hanks. He's not that much younger, but <laughs> still, he's got that kind of lovable like in his comedies. He's got a certain way. Like Tom Hanks was always very similar in the comedy kind yeah. of thing, and he can be a little bit different. I'm not saying he can knock it out of the park maybe as much as Tom Hanks, but he's got that same lovability that it like. Dude was, dude, dude was just made sexist man, uh, yeah. man alive, so and it ain't just because of his looks. Yeah, and the, there is a scene where the du- the dude is possessed in this film when he's breaking the proton packs into the yeah. thing, and I was like, damn, look at that bo- that he's guy's like, arms yeah, are fucking been... huge. He was like <laughs> muscle man, like he looked like a beast. You can tell he's got that Marvel. Yeah, he's got that Marvel you know? bond under there. He, he was hiding it. He was trying to look plain, and in that one it. scene, <laughs> they like rolled up or ripped his sleeve. So it was literally like, so it was like going from. Like it was like the uh, TV Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> it, was like that. it was like suddenly like shit, dude. Like Blue Ferrignum. <laughs> yeah, it was quite cool. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm trying to think of what what more I can kind of say about the film because I don't want to go too much in depth with it. Um, 
yeah there are some stuff that i know this is a uh, review that obviously we hope that you've seen the film when you're listening to it um but i think a lot of the a lot of the opening and, and the, the first act in particular is focusing a lot more on the legacy that egon's left behind and yeah. A bit less about the whole ghost busting kind of stuff. Um definitely about it is and it's it's about introducing these characters. It does the nice thing is it does give the characters time. It gives yeah, them definitely. time to kind of for us to get used to them, to get to know their little quirks and stuff. I love the um the the scenes in the school when we get Cujo yeah. and then we get Charles play. <laughs> yeah, those and he's those just playing that for the kids in the school. Yeah. Like that's the kind of in, that's the kind of inappropriate humour that I just kind of really liked in this film in that yeah. way. And it feels very much like something you would have seen in a a Bill Murray movie or yeah, one it, of those kind of films, you know, that kind of inappropriateness. Um and not specifically kind of um in, inappropriate in a way in which it's like people just dropping f bombs and stuff no. like that. More in the, in just like a context of it, like oh, this guy, this, like Paul Rudd is the te- is the summer school teacher, and he's got more things to focus on, so he's just sticking something yeah. on, and it happens to be Cujo, you know. Yeah, and it's that kind of thing. It's like my it's like my dad, um, who and this is a this is a little personal story and it's so funny um my dad uh was always a um so growing up he worked for people with learning disabilities yeah um so people with like down syndrome um you know stuff where it, it would it was extremely hard for them to kind of live on their own so they needed a lot of independent skills teaching and day trips and stuff like that and christmas time came yeah and um my uh <laughs> My dad was thinking, okay, I'm gonna put a movie movie on for the gang. Um and he um he went upstairs and he looked through my brother's DVD collections and he couldn't really find anything. But he found one film uh, and he went and he put it on for them and then it was bad Santa. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that kind of thing. It's like yeah. highly inappropriate, but it's just hearing hearing the context of it is yeah. just so funny. And he came home and he was like to my brother what's that film bad santa and he's like what do you read it what it is it's, just, <laughs> it's so bad isn't it you know um i was wondering because I, the... I, I was like a christmas film it's gonna be inappropriate i was like what's it gonna be like bad santa? i was thinking like black christmas or something no. like, that. like i'm sure in the first five minutes he, he like has anal sex with like a woman whilst the baby whilst the kid watches or yeah. something like that so it was kind of mental but it's that sort of you know it's that kind of inappropriateness that is in the film in, in a funny way you know? yeah yeah and, I, and that's when we get a lot of the setting up of the story you know when we're yeah. looking at the earthquakes and stuff like that yeah we start to get uh, so uh we start to get um the kind of view from mckenna grace's characters she's kind of noticing things in his office and we start to get that kind of bond forming yeah where we pr- quickly learn that although rudd's character is very clever. The nice thing about his character is, although he is very clever, he's almost more of a, I don't know, more maybe say the Ray stands mixed with Egon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like clever, but he's he's not, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't leave him alone for long with your children kind of thing like he is here. Like he's almost like incompetent. <laughs> no, I, I, in a more, way. He's, he's like, more Ray, isn't he? You know, because he's, you know, he's, he's, 
dude pipes them, you know? <laughs> like, the dude is there in pipe. He, he is. You know he, he piped his way through red, some of them. But it's nice to see, like, but he's, a, he's, a, he's a science... You know that he is a smart character, but you also know that he's a bit, a little bit of a bumbling boy yeah. at the same time. Uh, like when they release, uh, when they release the <laughs> the bloody uh, one of the gatekeeper, or the dog, key master, whatever, whatever it is, they release it from its trap, um, just because he wants to try out, like try it out. He's yeah, got, he's got the kid on the bus <laughs> turning the engine on. Yeah, they're stood there next to it, and, and he's it's, just talking it's about so funny, how good it? it is to basically be dangerous with science. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that like that bit like all works really well, and it, it's really nice um, like to have those kind of scenes. This is why I think, in some ways, for certain people, now like in its own controversial way, there are some people where if they haven't seen Ghostbusters the original and they didn't really grow up on it, this is where I think there could be an easily where um, this film may actually be more accessible. <laughs> than the original Ghostbusters okay. in some way, I think. I think for a modern audience who have never seen Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters might seem a bit like the humour and stuff like that, as we said, is it like it, it it still holds up today to me completely, but for some people it might not work for them. Yeah. Whereas I think in this film it could work. This this is very much more of the kind of a modern nostalgia kind of reaper in yeah, a way. Definitely. But it's also that kind of small a group of young friends or uh, like a family kind of film that kind of very much is kind of, I think any generation could kind of enjoy that. Well, not a lot that of there's us... not more enjoyment if you know Ghostbusters, because there's much more enjoyment to this film if you get all of the, yeah. little, the winks and the nods. Like the second you even see things like the, like the Egon with the, with the, you know, the, the, the ghost um, tracker kind of thing. And it kind of lights up. You're like, oh, look, that's in the, like, and you just start going off of all these yeah. little, like, oh, that's in the original. Oh, oh, there, there is the, there are the dogs, like the, the gatekeeper, key master. There are the dogs. And, you know, those little touches is what, like, is what obviously makes this film re- really good. But I do think that this definitely would be if people are out there and are like, oh, I want to go and see it, but they've never seen it. I think take them to see it. I think yeah. they'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anyone who's never seen Ghostbusters in general or doesn't care about it, I think people that I know that don't really love Ghostbusters, I think might like this film more. Well, there was a there was a mixture in the audience that we that we were with. Um, there mm. was a, there was people who were older, uh, kind of generation after us, but there was also people with families there. There was some young kids, and they were kind of you know teenagers on like on their own. So yeah. I think. Bit like young girls doing like a TikTok dance at the back of the thing until they were told to stop. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they look like the Gremlins with that scene in Gremlins when they're coming through the screen. Yeah, that's. Literally I was like, what what's was going like... on right yeah, now? No. We were like, is this part of the film? Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I think you know, it, I think it is relatively accessible as well because they bring you up to speed on things quite quickly. Like when when um, when Phoebe discovers the trap, which you know Egon's hidden. Yeah, um, when when he discovers when we discover that um and paul rudd instantly kind of recognizes what it is um and that's when he talks about oh the ghostbusters you know the 1980s yeah. and all the ghosts yeah all the classic on. videos of yeah. you know them and their their advert um and yeah and that's kind of this is where we start to really build into the the ghost is released and we start to see and we're back with Goza and yeah. statues being raised, and we get told about the founder of this this the city, uh, yeah. the the town who made the whole town is also the same person who just so happened to have made 
the building in New York from the original. So yeah. we've got that link that he was trying to bring over. Who, um, while I remember that when when Goza like does return, it's yeah, it's really weird because we got two, we get um, we get a cat, we get several like little thrown in cameos. So the guy that gets rebirthed is J.K. Simmons. Yeah, and he's that in this really like short, and then he gets a quite brutal. Ripping yeah, he does, he gets torn in half by Goza. Like Finn, that was really cool. Like, I didn't expect to see someone get torn, ripped, literally down the middle in half in a film. I think it's just because of his the age, maybe that he's been there, that it was more easier for her to tear him in a way. Yeah, it, it it wasn't obviously there's no blood, but <laughs> we get more of like a goo or slime. Yeah, it's more like. Um, and then you've also got um, uh, and why have I just blanked on the name Olivia? Um, oh, I can't remember what her name is, Olivia. Who plays Goza? I'm not sure. Um, oh, you got there. It says Emma Portner, but I'm sure I heard that that was um, there was somebody. Olivia uh, thing was actually, and it looks just like it her. looked just like her, but I don't think it was uh, actually her. Olivia something. I can't. I've, I I literally had the name in my head two seconds ago, and now I'm completely blanking. It'll come back to me in a minute. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, we get like those. I also yeah, I was going to say. Josh Gad is Muncher, the yeah. new ghost. So basically the replacement for Slimer. Yeah. Um, which I, I do kind of like, there are certain things, and obviously when they're doing throwbacks and stuff, there are certain things that, that work that they're here, and then there are certain things that don't, that, w- that wouldn't work. And one of those ones was bringing in Slimer just for the case of bringing in Slimer. Because yeah. he, th- there's not any reason why Slimer has to be there. He was a New York-based ghost. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. why? I so, thought it was just going to be a version of Slimer, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so I kind of I liked that they kind of changed it, and also that he did have a little plot device to him yeah. to help them later on to get the stuff back. So they used yeah. him in a way, and he was fun as the first one. And they do make it clear that not just Slimer, but lots of different ghosts have that same kind of odd form that they we see some later on when all the ghosts come out. And there are a few different ones if you look around the town. That are very Slimer esque, yeah, thing, definitely. Style. Um, um, so I like it's to establish like that, and that also leads me thinking on to the the fact that they do use practical effects here and puppets. Yeah. So the dogs are CGI. Yes, there are scenes, but even in the CGI, they've tried to recreate them so that they they can move more fluidly, but they still look like the puppet. They haven't tried to make them look more realistic. No, they've just tried to make them look like the dogs and stuff like that. Like this, like the, the really. Um, Good scene in the Walmart. Yeah, that that was surely that was a with puppet. the dog. That one's a puppet. Eating yeah, out of the eating out of the bag. It's when he starts moving like quickly, as you can see in the original. It couldn't move that fluidly because if you remember in the original, you have as we both watched it recently when it was chasing Rick Moranis's Lewis. Um, he's you could tell it was CJ because it was the stop motion like yeah. movements. Whereas now it's fluidly moving around like so they still manage. And when it's like chasing them down the street and stuff like that. You, when it is actually Paul Rudd's character yeah. become the dog, you can still see it. Like I was like really looking careful. I was like, oh, they've still actually kept like the face all very similar, but it is now CGI the whole body. Yeah. And stuff. Um, so it that's it's quite nice those little touches, but they haven't overdone it. Now, obviously, bringing back Goza and stuff does in a way, kind of because it, it you have they basically have to repeat the same pattern that yeah. Goza coming back happens. They tried to change it by quickly moving away from a similar setting. So inside of the crypt, yeah, um, the cave or whatever. But inside of there, like that, all looks. Oh, this looks pretty much like exactly what we saw in the original. Yeah, film. very similar to um, the top of the. Although weirdly, around building. it was actually less 
special effects than in the original film. Like the original was the clouds all around it, but then even around the back of that temple still looked like a gateway in the original film. Whereas yeah. in this one, it was pretty much just the the steps. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then was... that I know that they, the cloud was above the but mountain, but still, the, and the side was just all the kind of mountain as well. Yeah, but it? it did weirdly look in this one a little bit more like even from the original. At least the original that background made it look all like, oh, this is a proper gateway where this has come through. Yeah, whereas in this one, it kind of looked more like there's a set in the middle of a cave. <laughs> yeah. Um, 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 but one thing that I know is going to be for people is the little marshmallow man. Yeah. Now, as a, as a as a humorous scene, and let's be honest, in all of like in most films now, and in most rehashes, or just in general, you've got to have your baby Yodas, your yeah, your baby Groot. You've got to have a little cute version of a character nowadays. So they're totally leaning into that popularity. I. I, I believe I've even heard Stave Puff Marshmallow were releasing marshmallows that are shaped like little marshmallow men. As, yeah. Like, so that that's just money. <laughs> it is money. That's just money like that. Um, so the um, the little um, Stave Puff men, but I know at the same time, it, there, were, there were two parts of me. One that was absolutely loving because it has a really kind of dark humour to it. Yeah, what I really doing, enjoyed it. I, like, it I thought it was really cool. Like you have the... the you had them on the little like vacuum thing, and then it just the first time we get that this is going to turn more deadly than we think is that one of them gets squashed and then sucked up, and you see the leftovers on the ground. Yeah, and then we start going into things like blender, barbecue. Yeah, the barbecue small. was great. The, the small one's great where they actually bring the torch, and you see this little smiling. He's smiling as he's being squashed crushed and then yeah. lit on fire like, and the one walking onto the barbecue yeah that was so that horrific. was so funny horrific, like, as it's just yeah. melting and it's still so happy yeah like, all these things yeah like you get the the, the cocktail stick back for the back of the head yeah. the umbrella like closing <laughs> on its head and like i i i really love that but i know that at the same time that there are going to be lots of people who aren't going to like it and because- i think i get it like because, because it's, if it's I'm just... picking apart, if I said that Slimer didn't make sense to be in this film, then technically Stay Puff doesn't make sense to be in this film because the only reason Stay Puff Marshmallow Man appeared in the original film is because it was created by the god bringing out yeah. and Ray thought of it. There's no reason why the Stay Puffs like are an eternal thing here. No one's thinking about it. even though um, I mean the ghosts went. Paul Rudd's character uh, he does mention them. Gary. Gary Goober Goberman. Goberman. Goberman Goberman. Sorry. He does mention Stay Puffed earlier, and there is mention between them, but there's no scene that's like why well, they would see, suddenly come to life. You see it? the ghost going into Walmart. Yeah. Um, you do. And that's where he is. And I mean, yeah. I so mean, that's I why they that bring scene. him. Like, I, like, it's me saying, like, I actually I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I did. I, I think if it had just been them doing cute little things and things like that, then no. But there's a kind of gremlin esque like nature to them of habit but then that like death scene on top of it was probably the bit where i left the hardest in the film yeah like that bit on the barbecue was just that was really I was just like proper giggling away because I, I was like oh my god <laughs> and i laughed to myself when um when uh paul Rudd walks around the corner and he uh he sees um one of the dogs eating from the dog food with his head in it and i turned to you and said that's you eating from a bag of potatoes <laughs> and i don't know why i found that so funny <laughs> but it, yeah whenever we go watch a film we just always i always make my own jokes to you <laughs> because nobody else will listen to them um 
yeah but i did i mean i like that part i think um paul rudd and even even the bit where he, he lobs himself through the car and they've already established the window's been destroyed yeah. earlier on in the film like that's just i don't know it's just that that was all good um and, and this was all the setup so now we've got that like Although, as we said before, Lewis Tarrelly getting chased from the apartment through the thing, through the thing, and this is now Paul Rudd being chased from the Walmart, chased the, you know, and then he's caught by it. Yeah. And now he is. It, it makes sense. They chase them to catch who they want to take over. So there you go. Like, that, that's fine. Um, it is when we get a really nice emotional scene with the mum going through the house. Yeah. Um, where she kind of fi- finally finds the basement. And then before we've only seen little parts of it, but now she's led by. Egon's ghost, the light, yeah. which weirdly doesn't face her, is one thing. Yeah. <laughs> like she sees a light move and point, and she's like, "Yep, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's that's fine." But then um, again, you, I mean, I think she's kind yeah. of caught up in it all at that point. And yeah. we've got um, so that's uh, the actress is uh, Carrie Coon, who I don't know from that many things, uh, but she's um, she she, was yeah, good. she's really good in it. She's really got that kind of sarcastic, cynical kind of humor down in this film. <laughs> And you you get you totally get why she like hate hates Egon in a way. She believes that he just ran out and abandoned her, yeah, and with no trace or no contact or things like that. Um, and then she realizes in this scene that literally her whole life is mapped out on a board in his yeah. down there. He's been following her whole life, but he had to leave her because he had to. He was thinking if he didn't, he the whole world might end. So in a way, he was doing it to you know, protect her so she could live kind of yeah. thing, um, which you, you, you totally get. I mean, you can, I assume it's, a, and we're already sad, but some people might say with like Egon and stuff, and things like, like, yeah, but you know, you know, in this case, he still could have contacted her. It didn't need to be like complete distance. He just, but we know what Egon, Egon he is like. like. It's established yeah. even in the first film that he is, when he's on a project, like he is just, he has to focus on all yeah. the parts that need to be done. And there was so much obviously to be done to set up all of that stuff all over Somerville and stuff like that. Yeah. He needed to do that. So I think it completely works in the logic of the film and the logic even of the first film. That yeah, Egon is just focus. He has to focus on what he's kind of doing, kind of thing. Yeah. And I think um I mean I know we kind of, we kind of breezed over the second act, didn't we? So I think it's worth talking about the highlight of the second act for me. Which was when they are chasing uh, Muncher. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, and I feel you know that's the kind of standout scene is that we get, uh, we do get a kind of it, it. It has that kind of element of a of the Slimer kind of chase to it, where it is the first time they're hunting a ghost. But they, I think they having using the um, using the car and and using some of the new gadgets such as the you know the gunner seat and the remote they made control a remote trap. control one haven't they? they yeah i think they made that one didn't no, they? no i don't think they it was already in was there. it in his yeah it was already in there and i think that's um i i, I think it was already in there yeah but i think that was a that was a really cool kind of yeah scene the, the way it comes out of the side with yeah the little, like we'd never seen that in the original film obviously no. adjustments made later but yeah that that was really really um but yeah. it did. It felt like a nat, like a natural progression. Yeah. Of what the game. It felt like it just done. suddenly happened, and it, it didn't feel like, they, as we said before, there's no actual really like they're not chasing them. They just happen to be they're testing out the gun. Yeah. The and the proton pack, and then they hear the noise of Muncher in the thing, and then it just becomes a kind of chase. Like they get back, the brothers just so happen to fix the car, and then there it is on the road. Yeah. They're just like we need to go in. 
and it just leads into this nice like action and it's it it, it flows and really nicely in the film um we get a, a bit of destruction around the town yeah. we get so crazy but it's all like quite like much much kind of works for what he's doing kind of thing yeah. like, as the character um yeah it's it's a it's, it's a good action scene as well um, yeah i kept that was the one of the few scenes where i was kind of expecting a bit of the ghostbusters more prominent theme to kind of start to play in a bit but then i like the more i kind of went through the film the more i started to think yeah i get i was just thinking about the theme throughout the film because they have a lot of the sim- music from the original film yeah they the little, do the strange the touches, like whisting like, noises and yeah and the little kind of sci-fi like i was trying to do it then i thought it would sound more like it <laughs> you did. thought you I thought, thought it would be... sound i thought my orchestra would suddenly come out um, you thought you'd be able to replicate, replicate music with your mouth. Yes, I did. Um, but the um, but anyway, those little music like that we got more in like the quieter scenes in Ghostbusters. Yeah. We get a lot more of those, um, but we don't really get much of that swelling actual Ghostbusters main theme. Yeah. But then again, the more I thought about within the film, we get it right at the end. Did we get it right at the beginning? Did we get that? No, I don't think we did. I don't remember. I don't. I don't think we did might be forgetting it now but yeah the more i start to think about it though the tone of the film the song just didn't work that no, song doesn't really. work with the song and that's why we really don't get loads of it i think until the end credits because it's just too much of a poppy song for a film that's kind of like although it's humorous and thing it's got a kind of it's got a kind of tone that feels a little bit more like yes we've taken ghostbusters but made it a little bit more indie kind of like indie family drama with ghosts and proton packs in that like sci-fi in it kind of thing. yeah it, was, uh, it is like it has that feeling of a small like a smaller film then we add on yeah that's what that's definitely what it felt you know we add on the sci-fi on top we add on the special effects on top um so yeah that that second act you know when they get arrested and all that kind of thing like again the first and second act are almost probably the strongest parts of the film. Yeah, definitely. And it is the third act where, and the third act for most people, and most people like whether you've seen it or whether you like, just don't care, I suppose. The third (laughs) act is the point where it's kind of what everyone's waiting to see. And weirdly, it is a little bit for me where I felt, although I I still enjoyed it, like you said before about being anticlimactic, it was almost like, I don't know. It felt like the original characters almost... There's a, there's a scene where they ring Ray, where she rings yeah. Ray in the prison in the second act, which worked perfectly fine. I mean, I don't know. There's a little bit. I don't know if it... Like Dan Aykroyd, like in that scene or something like that, but, you know, but it worked fine as a yeah, scene. Yeah, I think it, it worked well. But for me, if that was the case, we've now introduced one of the Ghostbusters, and weirdly, I don't know if for me, if we're going to now integrate the original Ghostbusters into it, it then felt like too long until we saw them again and i know they were going for that here we are kind of thing we're here to save the day at the very last minute which doesn't completely work out the way it no. is but it almost i get, i don't know i think everyone kind of it wouldn't have needed to be a lot but i kind of think scenes like we got in the end credits with with sigourney weaver and in their normal life yeah i kind of i would, I would have liked have to have seen a that. couple of scenes actually play alongside this where it's almost like now we've got dan Aykroyd's character and then we get kind of get a little bit, a tiny little introduction into each of the yeah. original ones to give them a reason to come back instead of being like that one scene with Ray, and then we don't get to see them until that final battle kind of thing. Because 
as much as I kind of love the Ghostbusters battle in the original film, for me, Ghostbusters is, was the original Ghostbusters isn't good because of them actually fighting with the proton bags. It's the characters interacting. Yeah. And that's the bit that weirdly we think we get shortchanged on here is the char- the actual original actors interacting. They kind of, they get some lines in here and there at the ends there. And we get a little bit of different characters introduced to each other, but very it's like, and a couple but, of scenes and gone. <laughs> and that, for me, is what feels like it's the setup for the third act. Because, we, mm. we, you know, we, we have the scene with uh, Ray Stance, Dan Aykroyd. Um, and then I expected there to be a scene where Dan Aykroyd calls um, Winston and he calls Pete, yeah. you know, Venkman. And, he, and maybe we get a, a bit of him saying... Some you know something's going down in Oklahoma, or you know I've just got off the phone with yeah. you know Egon's grandkid, and I expected there to be a bit of something because we knew that the Ghostbusters were going to be in this film, yeah. and you know but that they're going to be of, in the end. But it's just random to you kind of want to know where they ended up. Yeah, and you want to know where that they conversation ended up. with Dan Aykroyd's character doesn't really sum it up for me well enough. Like no. he's doing, he's a like. Venkman's in advertising and Ernie, like Ernie has, like, Winston's doing really like well for like a really yeah. big business now. But you know, I kind of wanted to see. I want like I didn't want Sigourney Weaver to just be in the thing. I wanted to see their little family or things like that a little bit. I didn't. I, I'm. I was never expecting them to get. Bill Murray was never going to do loads in this film. No. But I just think, like you said, like him going to think or just a scene where he goes to Venkman in his job or something like that. Yeah. Just to have one or two of those scenes added. And I, I know for some people they might say, oh, that probably would have ruined the pace of the film and stuff like that. But like that scene on the phone already seemed a bit like, like that. Anyway, it seemed like this was the point where we were like, right, this is now where we're at the, almost at the end of act two. It's time to start building towards those original characters for a yeah. bigger third act. And I think that's why when they come in and then do their little bits and have some quick conversation, it just doesn't, quite live up to i guess what you were thinking in your head yeah and i think i'm i mean i'm like you know i said in in our in our ghostbusters episode i'm not massively attached to ghostbusters you know so it wasn't like when i watched the force awakens and i was like oh my fucking god you know han solo you know it what it didn't have that it doesn't have that as much nostalgia hook into me so i was kind of like okay like yeah, can you, you know, could they have been in it a bit more? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Could it have been done? I th- And I do better? think some people will be feeling a little bit like, could have they done a bit? And, and like, I get like they were trying to change the setting and stuff like that. But again, even the bit on the farm stuff, it suddenly just felt, it suddenly felt really small scale. Yeah. Like it suddenly felt like really like you were just attacking her in the middle of this little field. And I get what they were doing. And I get that like, they were making the house and obviously that is full of traps. But when they were first explaining it, I actually thought something bigger because I thought basically what he'd done is turn the whole thing into one giant trap, like one giant portal that would basically suck everything. Yeah. So therefore it's not these millions of little traps. It was one big port. So it didn't matter where they did it in town. I thought they were establishing that that it didn't really matter. They just need to get them near so they can get them in. Um, because then we could have maybe had sunk a little bit. I know it was at smaller scale, but them all standing around in the field and kind of thing. And even where we had like the shots and sometimes it was like, mm, are you actually with the other actors? Yeah. 
because I don't feel like you actually are. Like there were like shots where it's like you're there. Where's the wider shot to show that you're actually standing with the rest of these actors in the in this yeah. area kind of thing? Um, you get a little bit of that, you know. It was just those like we just didn't get a lot of time. I really do like. I I don't mind the like again people. It's like the carry like Carrie Fisher thing and things like that. It's like the you know bringing people back from the dead. Yeah, with this with CGI and stuff like that, which I believe is what has happened to you. It's not like Donald Presence in. I'm pretty certain that that was like just they had a body yeah. and then they just CGI'd like because that was very much Harold Ramis in yeah, eyes yeah, and stuff tell. like that. And obviously, obviously at the same time, it's not Howard Ramis because the actual Howard Ramis didn't look anything like that. Actually, no. in his later years, he didn't look anything like. So they'd almost used what was a version of the original one Egon, and just kind yeah. of adjusted it for time kind of thing because it looked much more like that Egon because weirdly Howard Ramis doesn't even look that tall like in like when I remember him seeing him in films later I don't even, I thought he was quite short and then I looked back at Ghostbusters like you look really he tall, tall and fit yeah like well, because he put on weight and yeah then, he looked yeah. like Seth Rogen's dad that's yeah, why that, he's that, in that's that's why up, isn't up, yeah that's what I mean uh, so then you just think of him like Seth Rogen like yeah. old um, but yeah like so um, that whole Egon section is the part where it's definitely, again, going to be another. And I know why this film's a little bit divisive right now. It kind of has fallen into that category because people either love the sentiment and nostalgia or can't get along with it at all. And then yeah. there are people in the middle who are very much there for like, yeah, like some of it works, some of it doesn't, which is probably whereabouts we kind of fall in that kind of yeah. enjoyed the film. But there are definitely things that maybe could have been a little bit stronger. The Egon thing works perfectly fine. They don't have him say any dialogue. Yeah. He's silent. Um, he is there with them. We get to have the character arcs that they've kind of developed with the the, yeah. the, the mother and stuff like that. So she gets her kind of moment to kind of let it all go kind yeah. of thing. And even with the kids to actually get to see him and know that he was there kind of helping them. Yeah. Um, and we get the original Ghostbusters. We do get some nice, like when we get to see all four of them together, it did, It would feel a bit odd to have never got a shot of all four of them together. So I get why they decided to do it kind of thing. I think it works purely because I think they're quite respectful with it. And I yeah, do think I if the original three said that they were happy for that to be the case, then that, for me, that's good enough to say. Yeah. And if um, the rain is I do think, like I mentioned in the last episode, that. Bill Murray and Harold Domus didn't have a very like in the like later years. Yeah. Um they didn't talk for a long time. I do think it's interesting that Diane Aykroyd's character says something to the ghost Egon. Uh, Ernie Hudson's uh, so Ray and uh, Winston say something. But Bill Murray said something. Um no, so yeah, Pete uh, but the, when they're standing in the road, they yeah, both turn did. and say, I miss you, the other one. Bill Murray said Bill Murray something. Bill Murray didn't say anything in the in that scene. Like he did. He, he was silent in that. No, bit. he said something. He he, he said like he said one or two words but the way in which bill murray is <laughs> is sometimes it's hard to well the, the one that interested me more is another shot when he was stood there and when he was starting to disappear yeah um you had another shot of all the ghostbusters you had like only hudson had like proper tears in his eyes which yeah. looked really quite like real um i'm sure in a way it could have been a very emotional thing for yeah, him probably to do. Was. um but um bill murray mouths something and I'm very now interested to know what the hell he was. I was trying to work it out, but I couldn't work it out because it was quick. Yeah. Um, but he literally, when it pans across the three of them, you see him like as if he's watching and he he, he definitely yeah. mouths words. Maybe that's why I'm confusing. Um, yeah. Not the shot when all, not the shot when we get the, the, you know, the money shot of ghost 
at Egon with the other three, yeah. but the last shot when Egon's going, so they're not all stood together. I see. I saw him mouth something, and I was like, yeah. "What did you just say?" It's almost as if Bill Murray wanted to say something, but at the same time, he wanted to be respectful, or or he didn't like the idea of talking to a character that's not actually there, or something. That's that was the only thing. I I was fairly certain that in that scene when it was all four of them, he was the only one. I thought it was a bit odd that he was the only one that doesn't say anything. Yeah, well, and I, mean, I kind of wondered if it came more down to Bill Murray's kind of not wanting to do, like say something, kind of thing. maybe. You know, that he, unlike the other two, was not really, you know, in that same way. Yeah, I mean, I some of, some of the main problems for me did start with the um, with the, the third act. And it was, like you said, it was kind of a, a rehash of the third act of Ghostbusters. But very much fast like, forward. Mum, like, I liked the bit when mum changed the clothes. because It was cool. There was, there was literally, I've got to be honest, there was a part of me, I know that Paul Rudd was playing the Lewis Tully, but in my head, the image popped into my head of Paul Rudd in that same cost, that same one that the mum wears and Sigourney Weaver wears. Yeah. It was Paul Rudd on a rock. You know, she, <laughs> yeah. you know, she does that kind of lying across the kind of yeah. like stat, the, the potent all in the original film. I don't know. I got it in my head, an image of Paul Rudd lying yeah. across <laughs> it in that same kind of dress. Yeah. I don't know why his character would be to do that, but in my head, that totally appeared. And it did pop in my head going, is it going to change into the same kind of body style as it was? So I quite liked it when the mum's clothes. Yeah, that was. We got cool. to see them change because that's never explained in no, there. It's not why she's in clothes, and then suddenly we just see Sigourney Weaver's come back. Like, dress, she's in yeah. that dress, and no, and it makes sense. Um, um, but it's and just... we get them together, so we get yeah. the confirmation. But it's it is that bit inside the cave. Well, it's just... after thing gets ripped in half. It's it's before that because mm. it's when. Um... When they get in, you know, when the the new Busters, you know, yeah. um, McKenna Grace and you know Phoebe, podcast and uh, Trevor, get in the car and they're like, okay, you know, we're going, we're going to go do this. And then the next scene, they're just behind like a rock, yeah. And somehow they've just got a car parked behind a rock, <laughs> and it just felt for, it. It felt to me like you know when you're if you ever played Metal Gear Solid. And you know the guards have a cone of vision, yeah. And you could stand outside of it, and they won't see you. It felt yeah, like that, was, you know. Yeah. Even the dogs weren't really recognised. No, when they could, yeah. No, and I get that. it felt really lazy for me because Goza does come back um, and rips uh, J. Yeah. Jonah Jameson. That's what. It, but then <laughs> that's what that whole one. scene just does feel. That's where that feels because we've got the same. And I get why it's Goza because. It's almost more that Goza is the only real like, yeah. eternal threat that actually ends up threatening. All the ghosts come alive because of Goza. Another reason why it feels like they're kind of ignoring Ghostbusters 2, where they come up with another reason why ghosts would appear. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Goza is the established, but the problem is that then this whole scene where she's down and on the rock and coming down, you know, it then all feels very, very. I've seen this before. Weird. Yeah, and I think I've seen this done better. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I get that they that's what I and that's why I also think that they try to move it away and they have a kind of chasing. And I will admit that I think there the are chase scenes. We get yeah. some. There are some scenes in this that are legitimately quite frightening. The Egon scene right at the beginning, I think, has quite some actual frightening parts. Yeah, I think you a little babaroo. Um, yeah. And I think even um, Goza when she turns into that kind of weird like force mix between and she's chasing yeah. them through the field and stuff. There's definitely some good spookiness in it. So they haven't lost the 
they, they've got it more than I actually expected them to have, like spook actual creepy scenes, like when yeah. uh, when when one of the dogs jumps out at the mum kind of thing. I heard I definitely saw some people in the cinema so jump. Babble scream, yeah. Um, well, even like I saw adults jumping, oh, okay. <laughs> when the dog jumps out kind of thing, because I think they expected to see like the. In the beginning, we see the dog in more of like a, uh, like mistful. a mistful. And the fog in it does look really cool, you know? Yeah, those kind of like shots, they are really cool. Um, and the, so yeah, the, but it is a little bit for me. I don't like the bit when all the ghosts are going around the town, you know, you got like the, the behind the bar, you got the, the proper like. I like the, the ghost. One that was like the, the kind of like the taxi cab, like what? The ghost it? minor was cool. I thought he was, you know, he yeah. was nice. Um, like those ones are all pretty, like, yeah, I, like, I liked all of that part of it and them going around the town. Like, actually, I even would have liked to have seen a little bit more of what it was doing to the residents of the town. Yeah. Because we that is only a quick, quite a quick scene kind of thing. Uh, and we only actually get to see a few variations of different ghosts. We don't. We probably got to see a lot more in the original yeah. than we did in this one. Um, but the uh, it is that whole goes apart. And then there is a burning question that there is something that did keep running through my head because in the original film, and this is again, this is me thinking of those certain Ghostbusters fans or things like that that are a bit more picky. Is the um, it is quite established in the original film that the proton packs are really heavy for the men. For the adult men, yeah. <laughs> well, that's like, and but the 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 twelve year old. Well, she struggles at first, doesn't she? Yeah, but even in the original, like, they get way more thrown back and about, like when they first try to use it. Whereas yeah. she's pretty much like boom. Yeah, God, like <laughs> I get it for the case of the film. Like again, for me, these things don't really bother me that much because for the case of the film, this is me playing devil's advocate and being like, yeah, for the case of the film. You know, it's a just a little change of logic, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and but it, it is a get. But the reason I bring this up is because it's another reason why it suddenly feels really odd when yeah. the three original Ghostbusters, yes, now in their seventies. Yeah. I, so I get that. All struggle to like kind of really seem to be struggling with the proton packs and to actually get Goza. Yeah. And then the twelve-year-old, as seen later, <laughs> seems to be pretty freaking solid on her feet by herself. Well, that's fighting the... against Goza. Well, that's what I didn't like about the ending. Mm. Um, you know, I when when they trapped uh, Zool and they got uh, Goza, you know, a little bit burnt, and she was kind of like a spectral kind of still had a material form. It was cool, um, but. They did something which I just... There's something in movies that I just... I find so... Just annoying and so shit and so poorly done. And it's when they lock lasers, as I call it, you know? Mm. And you see it in... I mean, you see it all the time in superhero films. And you, you it's what ruined um, the last fight in Harry Potter for me, you know? Oh yeah, and, and we do get that. And that like Gozer's now got this kind of Gozer's got shooting power. Yeah, Gozer's is a bit like shoot laser. Voldemort and Harry, and uh, and it was it's exactly the same as when um, you know uh, Palpatine was shoot shooting lightning at Ray, and Ray yeah, was yeah. blocking it. And it's so I don't know who thinks this stuff is fun and climactic yeah. to watch. Just too lazy. It's almost taken from like I think like 
they think like they take it from like anime and stuff like Dragon Ball Z when they're like blasting at each other and like that. But weirdly, I don't know. In a cartoon, yeah, kind of it might work a little bit. But in like live action, it's just like two lights hitting each other. And it like I'll admit, like uh, when you said that, like Harry Potter, I'll admit that was like for the last Harry Potter film. That's the thing I always found anticlimactic was basically Harry and Voldemort just doing a five minute. <laughs> Blasting each, blasting yeah. each other. <laughs> They're just pissing at each like, other. Like just literally, just like okay. So we're just watching this and then waiting for him to lose because yeah, okay. But it's not, re- you know, it, it it tried to make it a lightsaber battle, but it's like this ain't a lightsaber battle. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, you can't yeah, no. suddenly make the ones lightsabers. <laughs> no, and, like, it's... and it's just not the same as a lightsaber battle where it's got different movements and no. stuff like the lightning yeah. and they'd already established in i mean just to go on a little tangent about harry potter but they'd <laughs> already established in uh, i think it was either chamber of secrets or prison of azkaban when they teach them about self-defense they've already established that you can do spells and you could have a, a cool fight where they're flinging stuff and yeah. blocking it but just lock you know locking lasers for me just it feels so narratively yeah. dull and that's the thing for me like there are some they good do, in uh, Harry Potter. There are some actual good ones that work, and it is like you said, the ones when they're actually like flicking and yeah. moving and dodging well, and having serious, to hit each other. That in fight with serious dice. It's cool, and I was expecting that, but and yeah. then we just get you know we get a kind of like a, a quick rehash of of the Ghostbusters end, and then we get to the farm, um, and then you know the trap doesn't work, and we blast Go- Goza, and then Goza deflects it and as she's about to you know kill mckenna grace or whatever um we then see the ghostbusters come and and the problem for me was like was that there wasn't that call to action there wasn't anything it was just that well the phone call i guess was meant to be the call to action but but there was no felt like a long time between that it felt like felt like a long time and it wasn't like it was it you know he they hung up and Ray Stance was like oh okay you know yeah. it wasn't like it almost has that. this film does almost have it has almost more proton pack action than the original film ever had yeah and it's almost as if they think the proton pack action is the really what entertaining people want. part yeah when it was never what people want I would have rather had the the you know before they go into the cave to get Goza the first time or things like that I would have rather had a good like 10, 15 minute scene where they ray and that arrive not in some like spectacular we're here at the perfect time to save you like not that the bit when bill murray you hear his voice isn't a bit like oh yeah but uh like it's nice to like here yeah. it's nice to see them but it is a little bit like um i would have rather had them just happen that that's when they arrive into town yeah. and then they all walk into that cave together yeah. as the battle where you've got old and new kind of together, yeah. kind of to help each other, kind of in different ways, you know, all yeah. helping each other. Like that would have been more of the entrance, like the original film, where they all walk up the kind of stairs together. And they all it, take the final battle together. As but on this field, just... it never feels like we get that with the Ghostbusters. Where's that no. kind of the best scene in that part of the, the best scene in action is not actually, it's when they walk up those steps in unison, get the packs out, pull the gun, and then fire, and then it's have, almost the build up to the fire that's the yeah. best part. Like, and they have the conversation between them, and like you said, and the it's little about chat, and the banter is not quite the same there. Like it doesn't no. have the same like kind of like um, back and like it, it's there. They're trying a little bit, but then again, I guess this is what you get when it's everyone always wanted that sequel and yeah. never got the true. Like they got a second one. 
but everyone kind of wanted another revisit where it's those characters. And I guess we can't expect that it's been made clear that they were never going to make a full like sequel. So I guess we're going to be happy that we got something because yeah. it could have been nothing, I guess. Um, they are there. They're trying. We get to see them again. It just is. I just would have liked either side, even if that was it and they walked in at that point, I would have rather have got where it ends and we get for Harold, which is lovely. And it's a lovely, like nice little, like Spielbergian yeah. kind of wrapped up family ending kind of thing where yeah. Yeah, it's all happy and things like that. And we get some emotion from the original Ghostbusters thing, but the whole in the sky for Harold, as I said, way early at the start, we mentioned Coco. I want to see them in the house. But it, yeah. I want to see them talking to each other. I want to see a little bit of discussion. I want to see a little bit of... And I wanted to see... When we then get the ghost... We get, we see the Manhattan skyline. Yeah. I thought that that was when we're going back to see... I thought we were getting a little bit extra where now we're going to see Peter Venkman going back to Sigourney Weaver now. Because I knew Sigourney Weaver was in the film. Yeah. So I thought we were getting... We were going to get a little bit of an aftermath where... They go back to this, and we get a few scenes in New York City after this has happened. And that have, would have also appe- appeased me in that way, because then we would have got, like, we see is, Bill Murray return to Sigourney Weaver's character kind of thing, and we know that their happy family is a nice kind of... Okay, so we know that Bill Murray kind of did get this happy... Benjamin yeah. did get happy. We know that Ernie Hudson's got this. We know that... Well, Ray, but then Ray never felt like a character who's going to have a nice chapter. No, but you know, what he I mean? felt but, like he was going to just put a gun in his mouth. But instead, again, another anticlimactic is we get the sky, we get the Ghostbusters theme, we see the car going across the bridge into New York. Into New York, we get the New York, and I'm thinking, oh, where's the car going? Uh, oh, oh shit, that's it, it. ends. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it was... and then, we, and then we almost get the some of the scenes I wanted to see in the film as post-credit scenes, which don't yeah. feel like natural post-credit. They feel like ones that could have been in the film. And it was almost like, we didn't, ah, oh, shit, we didn't film enough of these to make it a good enough part of the film. So let's just throw them at the end. Yeah, credits. I mean. Um, so we, and we got the whole like cards linking, and I, yeah, a nice scene linking back to the first. Oh, no, I like that. Scene. And I think that's all you needed for Sigourney Weaver to be in. I don't think yeah. it would have made any sense. But that's what I mean. Like that, that was them. Was... We got that scene of them in the yeah. house. So that's kind of what I wanted. And then and seeing. Maybe just a little bit either side of that would have been a nice, but. I just want to see they were together, but I feel like it would have been actually nice to have seen that as actual part of the main yeah. film, not as an extra scene. Well, it would have been nice if we'd have seen that film and then uh, I would have liked a phone see... call from Ray yeah. saying there's shit going on. And, and Ray over. felt like he was still very much stuck in the past. So weirdly, I, the closing scenes I almost would have liked to see is that we get the Ernie Hudson like, oh, I may have bigger plans for this kind of world kind yeah. of thing. We get the Venkman with Sigourney Weaver that they're happy and we don't really need it because let's be honest, if they do do anything following this up, I don't believe that Bill Murray's coming back. No. Uh, but I believe Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson probably would because yeah, they're definitely. just not the same kind of... They will do projects way more than Bill Murray will. Um, so that's fine. And that's why I kind of also think it would have been nice to give the like a little bit of a hint that Ray actually is maybe going to mentor, mentor or help these people take it on something like that. But, but yeah. instead we've also had like uh, Winston's taking the car back and like, yeah, <laughs> you helped us. We're taking all this back. So fuck you. Yeah. And there's, there's not even any closure in. So mum's still in debt. <laughs> yeah. She's still got a house. Technically, things are in a worse state now. They've got even less money, probably, for all the damages and stuff. The fines, she yeah. may get fines for all of the stuff. 
So mum's probably hanging herself in a week from now. <laughs> well, there's After another ghost. Because Paul Rudd don't look like he's got the dollar bills to start paying stuff off either. I mean, he's buying expensive ice cream, but I don't think he's... No, I think Paul Rudd is. Paul Rudd pipes, you know. <laughs> He'll pipe his way through that town. He'll but pipe yeah. his way through the town. But yeah. no, I'd, it's, yeah, I think, you know, I think it was a, it was an enjoyable film and it was decent. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's just... The, the third act was so rushed, and I think the more I kind of talk about it, the the more I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much as I f- thought I did, you know, watching it. Because there were times when I was watching it, and I was I like, think oh, I that's a nostalgic like film, though, isn't it? You, you watch yeah. a nostalgic film, and you really enjoy it in that experience, but they do tend to be... And I do think it is that last section. And it, it, this is why it's kind of a little bit in my mind where it's like, yes, I wanted, I did want to see the originals, but I guess I didn't want to see them exactly like that. And in a way, it almost starts to make me think that I know that like nobody wanted like a, like in a way, like the last one where they did a female reboot. Okay. So people didn't want to reboot, but in a way this, this one was handled much more like it felt much more like it could link to the original film. Yeah. Um, so it kind of makes me put in my head, like, what would have the film been if we decided not to bring the originals in? Yeah. And just focus on the new characters and possibly a new, you know, a new supernatural threat instead of Goza almost makes me think that this may have been a, a, an yeah. actual excellent, like this could have been an excellent film if we'd actually just followed the characters we'd followed for a hundred and five, like hundred and like two hours of the film instead of the characters who come in at the last 10 minutes. And then it kind of, or the original characters that we bring back in the last 20 minutes of the film that all seems to then go, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It it works. Like, because I do believe those first two acts are actually very strong. Like that's like, that's the more of a sign of a really good film. The last act is a sign of a okay film, and it's what kind of makes what it for we, me. It, it's building really nicely as a film, and then we get a little bit of it. Not like a drop yeah, it's explosion, not like a no but it's stuff. like a, you know we've gone a bit down at the end. Yeah, but it, I, for me, it was like. But it it could also be at the same time that these films can be that you've got the. Now that we know how it plays out, it could also be that you watch it again and you're more accepting of how the ghost role play, you know, it could be that as well. Maybe. I do think for me, it's just the Goza parts that I don't think I'm going to adjust because it does feel far too much. That's the only part that felt far too repetitive of the original. It feels like if I <laughs> wanted to just, you know, if it, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't feel as if it adds a significant, a lot to the mythology of Ghostbusters. No. Like, um, yeah. And it, but this is a weird analogy, but this is the way in which I can describe it. It's like, get it you know you you've had a hard day at work and you order a pizza hmm. and the pizza comes you really you're excited for the pizza and then you eat it and it's decent but you think oh maybe i should have gone to a different pizza place yeah potentially it, it you know because it didn't quite live up it's not or i've eaten know. it now and i'm like oh i kind of wish well, yeah, I actually kind of wish I didn't spend the money now. Yeah, that <laughs> like, kind of thing. That yeah. makes it sound like don't go out and spend money on this film. That's that's not like that's it's, not it. Yeah. But it, it's that little bit of a 
yeah, it, it just just that little bit of a maybe an aftertaste feel like, oh, why did I go to that place again? Like, I yeah, like I could just revisit that original part. And it's weird because it's it's that's only really in context of maybe the last half an hour of the film. Like the rest of the film is like enjoying a brand new nice place, and then it's like here's the yeah here's the rip off place. Well, um, it is, and I get what you mean about like it adds. It's weird because it adds some nice mythology about making the town link to the original yeah, I, remember, guy, I thought that was cool. And the dates and stuff like that. And the whole tomb and stuff like that is actually a really nice addition. The sad part is that when we actually get Goza, it's just the same thing. There's yeah. nothing changed about it. That's when there's no mythology added. There's yeah. nothing. Goza is just an actress portraying what the same actress did in the original film. and in the same way, the dog's acting exactly the same. You know, I get that we're saying like it's some kind of ritual for the end of the world. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it feels like maybe we could have done a little bit different and taking half of her powers away, making her a different form and taking her to a farm instead doesn't quite, still no. doesn't, it doesn't build on the mythology of Goza anymore, really. No. We get a really. little, we get a little more backstory. So that's built on. But when we actually get Goza, it doesn't feel like it doesn't, and it also it doesn't feel bigger than the original film. No, it that's doesn't. the weird part. It's like it feels you'd expect, smaller. You'd expect with our technology stuff for it to suddenly feel larger, bigger. Like Goza does something a bit that they couldn't have achieved in the original. Yeah, well, I mean, we apart from when the in the original Ghostbusters when the um, when the ghosts break out, I think it's it, it it's a very strange scene. Um, I, f- I think we get like a nine inch nail song or we get like a really industrial rock song playing and we oh, yeah. see all the ghosts going and taking over New York in this film when um, when the spirits break out, which looks a cool scene because, you know, we have this like sacrifice pit. They're all crawling up. Yeah. yeah. But when they get out, we see one drinking coffee in a bar, which I thought was cool, you know, because it just looked cool. The minor. Yeah. And then we see we see the. Like a one-eyed cyclops, a one-eyed of, cyclops a bit between thing. like Slimer and a cyclops yeah. kind of thing. Then we see, we see the the Stay Puff marshmallows, but other, other than that, I can't recall many things, and it it, yeah. kind of, it feels like it's less of a global threat. Yeah, that that scene you know? in the original when all of them come out, you see all kinds of different ones, and you see them covering the city. And right now, it doesn't. Yeah. For something that's meant to be, that pit makes it seem like yeah. there's loads of them, and then we don't see enough of them to feel like there's enough traveling. And no, almost like it would have been nicer to see that it's not just the town, it's actually we start to see them maybe spread it. You see them traveling, and part of the threat is the fact that we, you know, and I that's why I kind of said about the Egon thing that I feel like it would have been more interesting to actually make the farm like one big giant trap, thing trap or something yeah. that could have sucked them back in because he knew that the second something actually happened, instead of it just being to catch Goza, wouldn't it have been more interesting that we make a giant trap and that he knows the second it goes off that they will start going globally because they say it's an apocalypse. Yeah. So if we started getting scenes where we literally see and they realise that they're basically against the clock to get everything contained again. Yeah. And Goza's maybe the one that's stopping them from being able to do that because Goza knows what Egon's plan was because obviously we've got a bit of that in the film. Yeah. We've got set up for that. That certainly sounds to me more like a big threat that the Ghostbusters need to As like contain to this is. and they need yeah. to protect this area instead of just being 
we just need to stop Gozer again. Yeah, it kind of it just feels a bit weak yeah. to me, to be honest. So yeah, it, it's it, it's that part, and I think may I think for me maybe as I get more accepting of it, I think I'll still like, I'll still very much enjoy, and I do very much enjoy the film, and I would still very much recommend that people go and see it. It's a good time at the cinema. It's oh, a good yeah. like it's a good experience. And the new characters are more the thing. McKenna Grace knocks out of the park as a character. Like she's yeah. like I've rarely ever seen her in a bad role from the films I've seen with her. Even though I said earlier I forgot half the films I've ever seen her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know that I've never like every time I spotted her in anything, she's always knocked out of the park. She is a very good young actress, and she literally like carries a lot of this film. Paul Rudd does a fair amount as well. Yeah, and Paul Rudd works. You know, the mum's there. Full. Finn Wolfhard, although playing something different, is is not exactly in any way the most interesting character no. in this film. Um, podcast, you know, know, he's good. I can see, oh, I see and, bright and things. For I the do young boy. see bright things for him. He feels like a proper, you know, a proper eighties kid brought into the thing. The way they've written him, the way they have, yeah, you know, he he is some of the best scenes in there. Even the bit when he is literally the one destroying all the little, um, all the puff, stay puff, and we get a nice callback to when they're all covered in the yeah. in the original. Like those things like that, and we get you know, um, even if the scene with uh, race dance felt a little bit forced. The oh, you're the podcast, I'm your one subscriber. Yeah, a little bit. But, but it's it's those little things. It was little touches, and if you want to feel like a little bit of that nice warmth that I think we're leaning into a lot nowadays, you yeah, know? <laughs> we're doing a lot of this with our nostalgia, and I do really enjoy. It is nice to see. We were just talking, you know, we've got like Spider Man, and we were nostalgic about the fact we got William Defoe back as Goblin, and, Goblin, and we're very Alfred much Molina. certain that we're probably going to get Tobey Maguire into us. Like, as much as the other ones coming back is great, it's like that is our young childhood yeah. right there, bringing back. And for some of you. This Ghostbusters, if you grew up in the 80s, this is your childhood. I'd expect for some of you, you'll have a tear in your eye at the end. Didn't quite get there for me, but no. I, it, it, I knew it was emotional, but it wasn't enough to kind of bring tears to my eyes because um, it's not something that I felt quite as much on the journey with. So if I if I can think of so I know, say, for instance, um, I don't know, Avengers Endgame, Tony Stark scene got me. Kind I of thought you didn't like that. Got me, and that like because I knew that from when I was young, like from when it first happened, I was invested, and I'd been invested on the whole journey. Yeah. So it hit me because the most of all, this one didn't quite get me there as much because although I do love Ghostbusters, I can't say that I'm a Ghostbusters fanatic or anything like that. I'm yeah, not, like I'm not. I think I don't watch it all the time. Um, but I know some people out there will literally be like sobbing their eyes out to see you got yeah. on the screen. They'll have a big old tears in their eyes. So, you know, it's great experience for that. And I, I do think that people are going to love it. Um, it's just sadly a little bit brought down by that last act. It, that literally that last act kind of, if you had like a, you know, you might've had like say an eight, like a, a, a 10, you might've been up to like an eight, maybe even possibly, oh, we could reach a nine. And then it kind of knocks it down a couple of notches. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think it was at about seven, seven and a half for me. And yeah, I, I think, think that's got, where I'd probably place it. I think it got knocked down yeah. for me because of the last act. Um, yeah. But it's still, I think it's, it's still, still solid for a, it's still for solid. a for nostalgic sequel to a film that let's be honest, didn't need all everyone wants is basically just everyone wants a Ghostbusters sequel and really all they actually want is just to be able to relive Ghostbusters original film and it's hard to ever recreate mad like it's, it's like in a bottle like they yeah. didn't even think it would work out the way it worked you know what I mean we talked about it in the last episode they never thought it would work like it did it just so happened with the improv of actors and stuff like that it yeah. came together so 
you know, it was never going to happen in that way. And I think we need to get used to the fact that there are some things we just can't relive the past in that way. You know, we've had it plenty of time. Eddie Murphy's coming to America is like a great film. They did the, the sequel. Can, like it was nothing on the original it wasn't yeah. good and like things like that you know comedy is just one where I think if you've got an element of comedy to do to it you can't really ever bring back like what made what the original work because you're just trying to retread yourself yeah I think it's hard to capture the magic really. and this is what makes this better the most because it's not trying until the end yeah. it wasn't feeling like it was trying too hard to re- it was nostalgic little easter eggs and little hints and little story yeah and it was building on the original story and giving a nice kind of what the future was for the Ghostbusters. And then, yeah, and that was a really nice to have it, but without it feeling like you're just trying to do the same film again. And which is really sad that when it yeah. then becomes, okay, now we're doing the same film again. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I kind so, of agree. And I think that's where we'd uh, leave it there, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might come back and re, you know, cover it again in a, a while you know once we've sat with it and once yeah. we thought about well, we it we might have more. to show bobby the sequels to be fair. yeah i mean i'm, <laughs> I'm have gonna to touch upon ghostbusters 2 and even the ghostbusters female reboot i'm gonna watch that to be honest because i might as well i've watched the i've watched this new one and the original i watched i watched the, the both the other day because i wanted i was in it oh i will watch the other two and yeah it's a they're perfectly enjoyable films. There's yeah. not a bad Ghostbusters film to be honest in my eyes. They're all enjoyable for what they are. They're all fun, most of the time funny. They're entertaining. Yeah. They don't need to be more than that. They're not, you know, they're not high art. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, and I guess with that, we will uh, we will wrap up. Um, and that has been our uh, kind of brief and initial. Well, not so brief. But not that brief. <laughs> no, but initial impression of uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, and. Join us on the uh, on the once the calendar gets up. My old computer. Uh, join us on the 29th as we uh, discuss Evil Dead and another video nasty at its 40th anniversary. And as always, if you've enjoyed the show, um, hit the subscribe button and leave us a positive review. It always helps. And we will see you soon. Goodbye. Bye.